Justice for justice. Justice for justice. No, never mind. This this episode's garbage. Hi, everybody. My name is Jack Tracy, and you are listening to Star Trek Jujurations, the podcast where I, and sometimes myself and a guest, try to um, zhuzh or spruce up, fix uh, episodes of Star Trek that are a little... I have been traveling through Star Trek The Next Generation Season 1. I'm doing every single episode because, good lord, they could all use a zhuzh. And we are up to today the episode Justice, where half-naked, horny white people want to kill a child. Um, let's get some housekeeping stuff out of the way first. First off, if you are watching me on Patreon, thank you very much. You get full video versions of the podcast. You also get exclusive videos. Uh, me animating my, uh, <laughs> my emporium of Star Trek figures into funny vignettes. You get podcast episodes early. You get special features of me talking about Star Trek Picard and Strange New Worlds and all of the other stuff. So if you are supporting me and helping me out with this channel at Patreon, thank you so much. If you'd like to join, you can go to www.patreon.com slash the observation lounge and uh, help support a let me leverage Pride. Help support a queer artist after Pride. Ooh, let me leverage the Supreme Court decision. Help support a queer artist who's now impacted by the Supreme Court saying that um, bad web designers can't can't make my wedding website. You know, why do we... Why is it always... It's usually cakes. It's usually cakes. Don't you know we're low-carb anyway? All right, so uh, the other thing you can do besides going to Patreon is you can make sure you like and share, uh, leave a comment, subscribe uh, if you're on the podcast network listening to this, if you're on the YouTube page watching the limited version of this. All of that stuff really helps. It propels this podcast, the whole Observation Lounge Network, into the ears of other Star Trek people who might like to hear this, as opposed to the anti-woke brigade, which has seemed to take over Star Trek YouTube. So if you'd like to help in that effort by getting this little rascal in front of more people, please like, share, subscribe, leave a rating, uh, leave a comment, all those good things. That kind of interaction helps me. And then finally, I will point out that I run what has become a pretty successful custom action figure uh, business at Necessary Outlet, NecessaryOutlet.etsy.com. That is the overall production company. I should have chose the Star Trek name, but I do other things that aren't Star Trek. So anyway, NecessaryOutlet.etsy.com. I have right now over 43 listings of individual custom figures from the 4.5 inch playmates line where i kit bash sculpt paint if you are watching this right now i brought out some season one fun so i've got my head swap season one riker i've got my head swap and paint mcdougall the only engineer who wasn't too horny to function this morning i just made ensign gates who might look nice sitting at your helm as she often did. Uh, I think this actress, she was actually on The Amazing Race. Uh, interesting enough. Uh, I've got Frozen Tasha. Um, you know, why not? Put I put her next to my Judge Robes Q and uh, put her in front of uh, Picard and Data being like, ha ha, I froze her. 
And then I go all the way to the most recent series. So you've got a Star Trek Picard Troy in her field jacket, one of the ones I was wearing a couple episodes ago. Uh, yeah. So, I mean, it runs the gamut. I have a lot of Picard fixtures, uh, figures up there right now. All right. That's enough. That's enough shameless self-promotion. So now let's get into the episode justice. So let me pull up what my good friends at, say it with me, Memory Alpha have said about justice because we love Memory Alpha. Um, I mean, there are so many times I go to that site. They don't sponsor me, by the way. I just love them. So um, Memory Alpha Justice. So the summation they give is when Wesley Crusher is condemned to die on an idyllic primitive planet, Captain Picard must face breaking the prime directive directive to save the boy's life. I'm sorry, everybody. I'm, I'm mumbling my words. I don't know why. Maybe I need more coffee. There's coffee in that nebula. So basically, they come across this planet after colonizing another planet and they're all sleepy and tired and overworked, despite the fact that this is only the fifth or sixth episode. So they decide to go down to shore leave at this um, primitive planet who don't have warp drive. So they probably shouldn't have been there. It seems, right? But they are aware of alien cultures. So even though this is what I think the first real prime directive episode of Star Trek The Next Generation, off the bat, it gets it wrong. Like, straight off the bat, they're hanging out with uh, a primitive culture, just, hey, hi, we're space people, can we rest here? So, there's already a problem there. Um, The next thing that is an issue... So... So they're on the planet, they want to relax, Riker goes down and is like, yo, Dem's horny, this is going to be fun for good old Reich dog. Uh, so Tasha Yar even seems into it. So they're all like, okay, we can have Shore Leaf here. What we don't know is that the reason their world is such a paradise and everyone can just fuck all the time is because um, they have a rule that if you break any rule, you are sentenced to death. So it's the ultimate um, hitting a nail with a sledgehammer way to dissuade, as as one of the, the women on the surface says, the lead woman on the surface says, well, why would anybody risk to die? Why would anybody break a rule? So we don't know that. So obviously we know someone is going to get in trouble and ends up being Wesley. Wesley's condemned to death because he stepped on some flowers. The, the other piece of this episode is really seems to only be there to add weight to the captain's decision on whether or not to break the prime directive. So he just, so there is a shimmering, you know, godlike thing that's in and out of the time continuum or space or reality that they worship as a god. And it's basically going to judge the visitors, our crew, based on whether they follow their own rules, like the Prime Directive. So it's giving weight to the, if you break the Prime Directive, you might all die. So Wesley dies or everybody dies, is how they're setting it up. What I don't like about that is the fact that the Prime Directive should be enough. 
And it is enough in other episodes. Pen pals, I keep calling back to that because they spend an entire episode debating whether to save this girl or not, which I think is the um, better version of this episode. One, not a planet of blonde, horny white people. Two, the only stakes are caring about this little girl um, in a way that we kind of don't care about Wesley. I am sure there were people at the time who were thinking, well, that's a shame. Wesley's got to die. Boop, boop, moving on, which does not happen. So let's, let's, so that, I mean, and basically, and, and interesting enough, Picard is basically like, look, yes, I have to follow the prime directive, but I also have this countervailing rule, which is this, this, um, uh, rule that runs against the current situation, which is I have to protect the lives of my crew. Even though the Prime Directive says, as I read on Memory Alpha, thank you, Memory Alpha, um, you're supposed to lay down your life for it. Um, you're supposed to sacrifice yourself for the Prime Directive. So he's like, well, I can't let him die, so I'm going to break it. They try to beam up when they're like, look, I'm taking him. And uh, the the entity stops them. And so Picard makes a two-sentence speech, which is the kernel of what will become the Picard speech. It's actually pretty good. It just needed to be more and, like, work through the whole episode. Um, and that speech is enough to let them beam up. They don't know whether to take the colonists or leave the colonists. They don't really send them a clear signal because the, the, the entity was concerned about the colonists they left on that other planet uh, and why they would leave them because they're sort of, like kind of protecting that planet. Anywho, um, and then they go off on their merry way. So let's talk about just so, just some overall commentary. This is another one that I remember watching in reruns, in syndication, uh, back in the early 90s. I remember taping it off of TV. I don't know if I rewatched this one a lot. Um, you get your first Prime Directive episode, as I mentioned, um, you get season one, staying horny. Season one remains horny, and everyone's horny. Even Tasha wants it. Worf wants it. And it was funny, Worf's little line when he's hugging the lady of, nice planet, is kind of like, good tea, nice house, uh, in the better episode. The one with Kevin Uxbridge. What's that called? I don't have that name handy. I usually know all the survivors. Um... Season one remains horny. You get our first shore leave episode, but again, they really shouldn't be on a pre-war planet. Um, and you know what? I'm going to try to leave this stuff behind, but because it's just budgetary constraints, but it seems like every planet they go to, for the most part, is like a small colony on a huge planet, right? This isn't, like this population of horny people doesn't seem to run the entire world and like be a huge world group of uh, like a wor global orgy it seems to be just this tiny little colony of people which seems to be constant they keep running into colonies of people rather than a whole planet they may have different governments that might have different leaders and which one do you contact i always wanted more of that and maybe we'll get that in the new shows but i understand it's a budgetary thing that's why they wear, all wear the same outfits um all right, uh, Yar does a horrible job researching laws. She's the one at the very beginning who's like, yep, I looked over their legal system. Seems legit. So this is really a dereliction of duty for her? 
We also get, potentially, Joe Carey from Voyager. The actor who played Joe Carey on Voyager is the tactical officer, relief tactical for Yar, in this episode. And because his name is never said, um, we like to think, Star Trek fans like to think, that Joe Carey started off in in security and transferred to engineering later in his career and then ended up on Voyager. I like that. So, ooh, okay, that's, I'm going to make a Carey action figure from that era, because all I have to do is swap a data head and a carry body and paint the hands. That's what I'm going to do. Stay tuned. That's exclusive to this episode. You got the heads up. Um, the god being at odds, again, is the stake for the Prime Directive. It deflates the importance of the Prime Directive by having to give it, like, the facing destruction if you don't follow your rule. It's better if the rule is weighty enough, in my opinion. And yeah, again, it's more of a legal jurisdiction issue, uh, which I think the episode would have been better off for playing. It's, it's instead of being a prime directive, because it's not like they're interfering in the development Right? Prime Directives is to stop you from interfering in the natural development. Now, what I assume they meant, but really didn't paint clearly, is if you let this guy go, there might cause a... Um, it would be helpful if there was a group of people on the planet who, who were rallying behind Wesley. The kids, for instance. And that way it's, oh, you're starting a revolution here where that's no longer going to be the rule. If you let him go... I mean, you've already done some damage because you've put it in these young people's minds that it's not fair. Um, you're going to start this this rift and, and political debate and all this stuff in our society. That's a prime directive issue. What this episode ends up being, actually, is a legal jurisdiction issue. When you're on the planet and unaware of the law, even though you should have been, because you are should have looked it up, and she said she did, um... Do, do do you have does the planet have jurisdiction over this your know, person that does, that is a visitor? Uh, the answer is yes, is at least in the United States, um, you would have jurisdiction to be able to prosecute them. Um, but that could have been a more interesting episode. Leave the prime directive out of it and just legal jurisdiction, and then that way having the god thing being the countervailing force is better because it's like it's not breaking our prime directive. It's you know, breaking the law of this planet. Uh, I am the guardian of this planet. I will not let you break these laws. And then you can have something that that god creature um, created the laws. You know, it's a real caretaker situation here. It's a real Okampa caretaker thing. There's a lot, and that's, that's the thing about this episode. Even though it's not great, there's a lot of things that are seeded here that will all become staples of Star Trek episodes. The primitive planet, the caretaker who watches over them the prime directive episode this is kind of our beginning of risa right this is kind of what a risa planet would be like in a way um yeah you get a lot of star trekky things all right so let's talk about we're moving on to the the who has the con which is a good thing and who's going to brig which is a bad thing from this episode. Uh, hi, Max. Uh, my cute Cocker Spaniel is currently panting, pacing, and shaking. So enjoy that background noise. Harumph. He just harumphed. 
All right, con. Who has the con? Not a con. Who has the con? Which is positive. I'm realizing now how confusing that is. The line, any hat. <laughs> That's just funny. When they'll make love at the drop of a hat. And then Yargo's any hat. That's funny. Good writing. Liked it. Gave Yara a nice little cute line, which is fun. Uh, love Troy's WTF reactions through all of it. Of like, when she's on the bridge, kind of like, okay. It's mostly, it's mostly told through her facial expressions. And then when she's down on the planet and the dude hugs her and starts complimenting her. And she's like, her everything about her says, get your fucking hands off me, you creep. <laughs> I, it was nice to have someone on the ship think that this was creepy and and weird. Uh, I'm with you, Troy. I would not have enjoyed this planet. The wharf line. A lot of these are just little cute lines they had. The wharf line, you know, nice planet. These are all funny things. I like them. They give. They start to give the crew a personality, which I like. You really start, you know, season one, you only get little inklings of like who these characters would come to be. And this is an episode that has quite a few of them. Um, Data interacting as a conduit between the, the space thing and, and the Enterprise. I think this is the first time that happens in Next Gen, and that becomes a normal thing. Things will speak through Data, because Data is a computer, and it will go into Data and use Data as an avatar uh, for itself, or a proxy, I should say. That's great. It's another seedling of something that would become the norm. Um, the idea of the punishment zone is an interesting concept. That because the, the and that has the con, the, because the planet or colony um, has such a strict you know, rule... The fact that they only enforce it, it's really only enforced as a, um, it's just meant to be a deterrent. as it, Well, all punishment's meant to be a deterrent, but it's just sort of like, it's a fear of like, you never know when it's going to come. It's death. So it's, it's really the elf on the shelf, right? He's watching you. He's going to tell Santa, well, you've been naughty or nice. And if you've been naughty in the punishment zone, we're going to give you the lethal injection. I'm sure some parents wish that was how it worked. Um, another thing gets the con that becomes a Star Trek thing is the primitive lady going up to the ship and being amazed by the technology, and then she sees God and is, like, humbled by all of it. Um, similar to... A little similar to Lillian First Contact. She got the Mintakin lady in Season 3, which is much better, and who watches the Watchers... You've got, um, um, is it Marissa Yale? Is that her name? She's from uh, First Contact. Marissa Yale? I don't think it's Marissa because that's an Earth name. Um, so again, a lot of Trek things get seated in this episode, and that's one. Um, and again, the impact on the colony, not the Justice, the Edo. Not the Edo, but the colony that they just left behind. The speech about it from Picard, about why these people wanted to do it, just establishing why we do, why we're dropping these colonies. It's sort of like, 
you know, with the protection of the Federation, these people are sort of like frontier people and want to see if they can make something of nothing, which is an interesting look into how the Federation society actually works. You can stay on the Federation planets and the developed Federation worlds and basically have whatever you want. It's interesting. We never learn, like, how do you get housing? Do you just, I want this and, I, and here's a free space. Give it to me. Do people hold on? Do they pass things down? Is there inheritance? Like Picard seems to have this house forever. So I guess inheritance still works. But the idea of you can either do that or we will give you all the supplies you request to and find a planet. And there's probably a lottery or an application process. And you can go and start a Federation colony. They probably have some rules of what you got to do. And um, yeah, rough it and start it from scratch. You know, be the human experiment. Start your own society. Um, that's great. I like that. I uh, wish we would have seen more of what that's like. We pop in at colonies and then we have the failed colony of Turkana 4. But I like, I just like that kind of world building. Um, what goes to the brig? Now, I understand that in order to make the point that the show wanted to make, Star Trek isn't political. It doesn't hit you over the head. Hmm. Um, they wanted to make the infraction that Wesley commits so minuscule that you show the absurdity of the rule. So they made it, he fell into a flower bed. It works in doing what they want it to do, but it still just seems silly. Also, the whole Wesley, <laughs> I don't, I think I'm too young to fuck. Can, oh, oh God, that running thing. I don't know if they can run. We can run. Rank man a ranker. Oh, no wonder people hated Wesley. And that's not Will Wheaton's fault, but my God. Um, sex cult bikinis and the fact that they're all white and the fact that the Federation thought this was like hot. A little weird. And that's why I appreciated Troy, at least thinking this was kind of strange. Um, the creepy hugs. Don't touch me. Don't touch me. Weird. Uh, the way they talk about, do you play at love? Like, if they're this much of a, and I understand it's television in, in the 80s, but if they're this much of a hedonistic society, just have them have a fake, a jamaharon, a fake word for like, oh, we fucking? You know, make it more play at love make it not it's not love it's it's you know it's sex so like have them speak a little more, less flowery about it especially if like they're super cool with just free love um yeah the perhaps they can't run i've already said that jordy have a real look at this thing with your space eyes um what can jordy's visor do that the ship sensors can't it's really, it's a way to try to make Geordi's visor um, have a special power or purpose when I don't, I think it's more powerful if it doesn't have a purpose other than helping a blind man see. It doesn't need to be, because then wouldn't everyone just have one so they could, you know, they'd work it into a way for seeing people to use it so you could have like a better tricorder. The idea that him looking at it 
with his special visor would provide any service above what the sensors could do seems weird. Also, it never really happens again. Interface is a better way. You know, that episode, which is not a great episode, but it's at least showing how his particular, you know, um, uh, the way his, his, uh, his, what am I thinking? The way he's hooked, the way he has to be wired to the visor could also wire him up to control things. That's interesting, having him attached to the probe. That's interesting. This, not interesting, weird. I don't like that they call it a god thing. Is that like a term? Is that like a philosophical term, god thing? Just call it a god. It's some weird, weird dialogue. Data's babbling. There's a real tone problem with this episode. Because you've got the fate of Wesley, and then you got some yucks thrown in. And it's not done in a way to cut the tension. You literally have Beverly in tears because it's unclear whether Picard is going to let Wesley die. And you've got Data. I don't babble. Do I babble? Babble, 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 babble. And thankfully, Dr. Crusher tells him to shut the fuck up, but it's just, it just doesn't, it feels gross. And then Data's, ugh, I guess mothers do really feel, you know, about their kids. It's almost done as like a, ugh, ladies, you know, what can you say? They be emotional. It's, it's, it's a weird patriarchal response. It's cringy. no. Um, and again, the way we talk about mothers and children, the mother, mother, the boy, boy, just like, it's the same thing. Father, we don't use mom and dad anymore. I think Jake does. I think T-Space Nine does it more, but like the whole heightened language of mother, father, hate it. And yeah, they keep calling him the boy, even though Wesley is not too sympathetic, um, the way that Picard and Riker talk to him just does not make, like, ew, the boy, boy. It's just gross. Uh, I'm glad they abandoned that in later seasons. And yeah, it resolved too quickly, right? It was supposed to be like a last minute turn. Like, okay, we've decided we're breaking the prime directive. We might have to go up to the surface and fight this thing. Uh-oh, it's interfering. And then I say two sentences and it's like, yeah, all right. Right, it just resolves for the threat of this thing. It resolves too quickly. All right, that's a lot. That was a lot at the con, a few at the con, and a lot in the brig, which tells you this episode needs a judge. So let's get into the judge. All right. So. Let's make this a true Prime Directive episode, right? Let's make this... So let's take out the colony that they placed the colony down. And instead, there's some sort of... It starts with some sort of somber bridge moment where officers are assembled, they're all standing, they're watching the view screen. Wesley's there. And they're basically seeing the destruction of a pre-warp planet or society. I think we had that in a later episode. I remember Beverly sitting with her head bowed as something bad happened on a planet. Um, but yeah, that they're all like taking a moment of silence for this civilization. They could not interfere in its natural development. And its natural development was kaboom. And 
Wesley maybe has some questions, maybe about, you know, and they get to explain the prime directive and why it's important. You know, I know it doesn't, it's not heartless. Um, You know, we do, you know, we're very saddened by this, but, you know, if we start interfering, then, you know, we're playing God and that's not our place and, you know, that kind of thing. Why is it different for, you know, really explain the prime directive. Why is it different for warp civilizations? Well, because they're already aware of us and they're aware of warp and it's not going to change their perceptions of the universe. And if they ask for help, we'll provide it. But, you know, before that, that's the, the line in the sand. We can't come in and, you know, be the ones to change everything. Um, right. So, and maybe Beverly has some sniping about that. Maybe she's, she gets it, she understands it, but as the doctor watching all these people die is not, you know, it's not pleasant for anyone, but maybe she, because she always has some, she always talks about how her role as a doctor is, is greater than her. Her call as a doctor to her is more important than her role as a Starfleet officer. So we could have some conversation there. So because that was a real bummer uh, and the ship seems a bit, you know, they're always affected when something like this happens. So he calls like, well, let's have a short leave. Let's try to find uh, a planet. Um, Or, so we can get there that way. Or their next assignment, which is assessing a federation, a potential federation member, a, a candidate who has, you know, other ships have been there. They describe a utopian society. Um, you know, they're not super advanced, but they are work capable. Um, they have interest in, in joining and they're going to do that. That way, we don't have to work ourselves around this whole, like, they shouldn't be contacting a pre-warp civilization. If you do the shore leave thing, then you have to mention that they're warp capable. And maybe they're like the Baku. They're warp capable, but they don't use it. So they know other species are out there, but they don't use it. All right. No God. Eliminate the whole thing. And that way, it won't be a clear reuse of the that space station thing in Conundrum, where that shows up as the Lycian Space Command. Right, because they reused that prop. Um, so there can be a sexual sort of vibe. It can be a free love kind of place. You can play it for comedy. So Yar is not bad at her job. And she reveals on the surface the, her, you know, research of the laws and the sentence. So she knows. She, like, she's doing research and she finds this out and how this is, you know, problematic and might be an issue. Maybe she's working. We can give her a guest of the week lawyer who's, you know, explaining this stuff to her and she's going through the stuff and she tells that him or her about the Prime Directive. So... Wesley's playing with the youths because they're they're in, even if they're there assessing they a planet for Federation membership, not necessarily there for shore leave. Let's say because Wesley has been very affected by what he witnessed that they're like let's let's let the kid let's let him and some of the crew and like have some time off. So they go down for shore leave, which is freely granted at the same time that Yar is finding out about this stuff. So he's with some youths at like a food court. So instead of him falling into a flower bed, he doesn't realize 
that they still have a money-based system. And so he thinks everything's free because that's the world he's always grown up in. He just doesn't think. And so he just takes some food, fills up his plate, whatever, walks the fuck out, and he's caught, right? Or like a like an alarm, like a retail alarm goes off, you know, like a you know tag detector thing, and one of the girls he's with, who we can play up as a potential love interest, she is panicked, and Wesley's like, "It's okay, I'll just you know, like he kind of does in the episode, I'll just apologize. I'm sorry, I didn't understand. Uh, you know, I'll we'll get some stuff from the ship and we'll we'll pay. You know, it's not a big deal." But she is like, panicked, panicked, panicked. She takes the stuff from him. And takes the blame when the security offers come. I stole it. It was me. I did it. Uh, and they vaporize her on sight. Just, she admits to it. They go through some stuff. Uh, she has admitted to it. This and that. Lost sex has been broken. We confer. We confer. Boom. Gone. And Wesley is traumatized. He uh, talks with his mother. He has to meet with Troy about what happened. But he doesn't reveal that she was covering for him, which is the thing that's really sitting with him. Okay. Picard is, of course, talking to the leader about Federation membership and all of that. And they're having, you know, talk, he has been informed by Yar about this. He knows about the Wesley incident. And they're having a talk about absolutism and how that kind of, you know, that kind of legal system is something that you know, we would recommend against Federation membership. We believe in fair treatment under the law and proportionate punishment to crime. And um, the guy can be like, oh, that's very high-minded of you, but how long did it take for you to have your utopian society? We did it nearly overnight, you know, as soon as this was instituted. You know, are you advanced or are we advanced? And kind of have a, a, a Picard-level debate about that sort of thing. Wesley, meanwhile, has been the guilt has been eating and eating and eating away at him. And he goes down to the surface and says, I did it. And we can have him be crafty because we know Wesley's crafty. He figures out a way to get himself transported down there. And he turns himself in because he is so overwhelmed with the guilt. Okay. Now you can have this legal fight. Now, um, it's the same argument, so Picard and Crusher are trying to save him. They make the same speech about the consequences of, you know, what they don't have here is, in this episode, is they talk about, oh, this is draconian, but, like, the morality of, what if you get it wrong? So it can kind of become a commentary on capital punishment. You know, here, this girl was murdered, was killed by your legal system, and she didn't even do it. You know, there is no way to right this wrong. It presumes that you'll always know and always be correct, and the consequence, you know, of getting it wrong, that could be, I mean, that wasn't played on at all in this episode, right? Because it was very clear that Wesley did it. Um, they tell him, basically, you know, you criticize our laws while breaking your own. You know, the prime directive, you won't interfere in our laws and society. And if you take him, we can have that the other, like I mentioned when I critiqued the episode, the other friends who were there at the food court are now starting to think 
like this, to be anti, you know, absolutism. And and you're going to start a thing here. If you take him, Wesley will be a, a figurehead, will be a martyr to this cause. And you're going to go against, you're criticizing my rules. You don't even follow your own. And ultimately, despite his strong belief in the Prime Directive, which was addressed at the top of the episode, he agrees to save Wesley. But he's going to try really hard to convince them first. It's not going to work. And he is going to make the hard choice. And we can have some longing looks and some pleading looks between Beverly and him. And we can insinuate that he does it for Wesley and he does it for Beverly. We could even have a conversation. That would be a really great scene where Beverly basically, like, she's using everything because she doesn't think Picard's going to break the Prime Directive because he's he's known to be such a stickler for it, uh, even in the worst, you know, we, we just watched. And she can say, you, on one of your missions, my husband was killed, and now my son. And wow, would that be a powerful scene Give us more between Picard and Beverly and Beverly and Picard's, you know, reason to break it is for Beverly because of what happened to Jack. All of that is the reason he breaks it. Then you get a prime directive episode, you get a legal system episode, you get high stakes, you get uh, uh, a critique on capitalism or capitalism on capital punishment, absolutism. Uh, You get, you know, weighty stuff with, you know, Beverly. It's, I think, I'm going to toot my own horn here, I think that would be an incredible episode. And you could still call it justice. What do you think? Do you think it's trash? Do you think it's a great idea? Would you like to have seen this episode instead of the orgy planet? Or do you want the scantily clad, horny white people? I think they're all blonde, too. I actually made sure I scrolled through the episode. I was like, not a another color in sight then caucasian <sighs> so tell me what you think and where you can tell me what you think are the following options you can comment on this video if you're watching the limited video on youtube where it kind of cuts out because you got to join the patreon you can comment on patreon because you're a subscriber there and you support me and thank you so much you can follow me on twitter and follow me on instagram at OBS, OBS, Lounge, ST for Star Trek. So Observation Lounge Star Trek, OBS, Lounge, ST on both Instagram and Twitter. Uh, Subscribe, of course, to the YouTube channel, The Observation Lounge. Share these episodes. uh, Leave your comment uh, on the podcast commenting area. Uh, Yeah, and don't forget about these figures. They're cool. They're nice. And they're priced based on how many figures I had to buy to cobble it together. All right. Well, that's enough for me this week. I'm going to go slip into my um, Edo um, pasties and thongs and um, go practice some free love. So until next week, get the hell off my bridge.